Welcome to Wellness Connections with the Solutions Group, a passionate team of health and wellness experts that believe every workplace and every community can be a wellness avenue for positive change in the physical and emotional health of individuals. Our experience in workplace wellness inspired us to bring this passion and knowledge to the podcast stage. Sharing real-world stories and science-based practices, your wellness is an ongoing act of creation and we hope to inspire you on that adventure. Welcome to Wellness Connections with the Solutions Group. This is Paige, one of your podcast hosts. Shane is also here today playing the much appreciated role of tech support, but he'll be off mic for this session. Our featured guest today is Denise Kavner, a woman of many passions and talents. I've had the opportunity to work with Denise in the past, so I know her on a professional and personal level. So this biography I'm about to share with you is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the many things she's involved in. Denise Kavner's mission is to find safe alternatives for healing. She loves to learn holistic healing approaches and modalities, practices and strategies that can bring health and happiness to the whole person, including the body, mind, and soul. She holds a master's degree in psychology and is certified as a mental health specialist. She has achieved the rank of Shodan, second degree black belt in Aikido. Her passion for nature and desire to find clean, non-toxic healing practices led her to become certified as a clinical herbalist. She is also certified as a master level Reiki practitioner, certified in neuro-linguistic programming, an effective freedom technique, also known as EFT or tapping. She also studies and practices the ancient healing wisdom of Ayurveda. Ooh. <laughs> So Denise, there's so many places we could go in today's conversation, but first we kick off each and every episode with this question to our guest, who or what has been your greatest inspiration around wellness? Well, hello, and um, thanks so much for inviting me to be a part. Um, I've been listening to the podcast and I love the information that you're sharing. You guys have been awesome. Um, and so I knew this question was going to be asked because I, I heard you ask each of your participants and I actually had trouble coming up with one name. Um, when I was young, I didn't follow like a person. I would read like Prevention Magazine or Self or Oxygen and I would follow that trend, right? They would say CoQ10 is the next magic, you know, um, mineral or, or supplement that you needed to take. But um, I went to a, um, a nutrition um, conference and I ran into this gentleman. His name is David Avocado Wolf. And anybody that is a raw vegan knows David Wolf because he's, he's world renowned. Um, but at the time he was just starting. And I purchased his book, Eating for Beauty. And it was so eye-opening. He was the first person that really conveyed to me that it wasn't about that single supplement. It was about eating whole foods and foods that were alive. And I, so when I think about who inspired me, he was the one that stood out to me the most. That's such a cool story because it just makes me think that sometimes we can get in our heads that it's just like this one single path to wellness or this one route to get to the end destination, but it's really this well-rounded approach. So I've actually never heard of him before, but now I'm intrigued and I'm gonna have to go look up his his content. Cause I'm pretty sure I'm obsessed with that name. What a cool name. 
And second, that's pretty neat. So is he still active in writing and sharing information? Yes, yes. He lives in Hawaii and he now creates superfoods. So although he's an advocate for eating whole foods, he also recognizes that there are some, some fruits and vegetables, some herbs, some um, fungi that have a little more power than others. And so he's created some superfoods with them. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it sounds like you've always kind of been attracted to, you know, reading fitness and health magazines and literature and things like that out there. But have you always, you know, considered yourself somebody who's been really into health or um, healing or any of these alternative or complementary medicine practices? Or is that something that kind of came about later on in life? A little bit of both. I always loved being out in nature and I always grew herbs and plants and I would make different lotions and more more items that were considered more external. It wasn't until later in life that I started to recognize that um, what I ate had a bigger influence than what I put on my body. And when I moved out to New Mexico, which has been like six years, my husband gifted me with um, uh, the availability to go to UNM and take the clinical herbalism class. And so that was an eye opener for me to be able to actually study the herbs and not just in my garden, but actually in the classroom. That's amazing. So where did you move from when you came to New Mexico? So I did live in California, born and raised in Southern California. All right. And And so when I think of California, maybe this is just kind of a stereotype, but I do think of the like Southern Californians of being a little bit more health oriented or, you know, more in touch with their wellness. So do you think that had an influence at all? I think it did. And, you know, when I think about myself, I grew and in California, things grow all year round, right? If I had my goji plant, I had goji berries all year and I was able to go out and enjoy my my plants, you know, throughout the season. And we have the availability to grow so many different plants in California. Man, that's so cool. If you go to Sprouts and try to get like a little jar of dried goji berries, that's like 15 bucks. So just the fact that you're kind of growing them year round is amazing. So speaking of growing things here in New Mexico, is it possible to grow your own herbs or grow a garden or is it just kind of a lost cause? You can't. Now, in the beginning, it was hard for me because this this season of dormancy, when winter comes and plants die back, I was not used to that. I had to learn that um, the plants would die back. But it's almost like what our bodies go through, too. They, they need that that time to rest and then they come back more vibrant. And so I have an herb garden and I grow medicinal herbs. I grow herbs that I can use in my Ayurvedic remedies or I can use in some of the other tinctures and potions that I create with my clinical herbalism um, background. I like that because it's kind of speaking to that theme of adaptability. Like we move, things change, seasons change. We have to learn how to grow where we're planted. That's what Anna shared the other day. We were talking about themes for a spring newsletter and it was bloom where you're planted. So I really like that because sometimes conditions aren't ideal, but we have to find a way to thrive anyway. So it sounds like you did that with your gardening and herbalism. So speaking of that is with herbalism, is that something you can use to treat certain conditions or heal, or is it more just a culinary field? Uh, Both. So if we used herbs culinary style, like if we used it in our food, it would bring health to us 
And I think it would create a stronger immune immunity within our bodies. But if you have an ailment, there are some herbs that are available to you that have an affinity for that, that either that tissue in your body or for, for example, Tulsa is an excellent mood lifter. And so I also grow stinging nettles and nettles are full of minerals, which help with bones and um, the, the, the hair, the structure of the hair. And so there's a lot of herbs that will help heal very specific ailments, but they also are just great to add to your diet to build your, your body strength and immunity. All right. I think I've tried Tulsa tea before, but even though I'm somebody who's been deeply involved in health and wellness for many years, I don't know a lot of the herbs or what they're called or what their uses are. So I feel like that's just an area of exploration that's very brand new to me. Would you say that that's the case for most people that you interact with? I think so. And and I think that we we grow up with this idea that like if I have a headache, I take an aspirin. And maybe now I want to try something more natural. So I have a headache and I take maybe uh, a herb that helps relax the mind. But in, in if we're living a healthy lifestyle, we could have looked at some of our practices. And so adding these herbs in better practices will help alleviate using herbs like a pill, right? I don't know if I'm if that makes sense. Yeah. But if, if we shift our behaviors, like maybe I have a headache because I am dehydrated or maybe I was out in the heat. And so when I look at my practices, I can add an herb such as something that's more cooling because I wasn't being hydrated and that will better match my body's needs. Nice. And it also sounds like you can use herbs as more preventive medicine. So kind of getting ahead of the problem before it starts, whereas a lot of times I think in our modern lifestyles, we get so busy, we get caught up in our work and our families and our obligations. We don't realize we're not taking care of ourselves. We get that headache. We take some Tylenol and we don't even think about the preventive steps it might take in the first place, like staying hydrated or eating the right foods or moving our bodies or going outside, all those things. So that's a really interesting perspective to think about. And I and also I know, go ahead. And, and it was interesting because when I was in my clinical herbalism class, my instructor, Sonia Masoko, she also worked at the Ayurvedic Institute and she teaches Ayurveda. And she kept using this word Ayurveda and I had no idea what this was. And Ayurveda means the science of life and it's looking at the practice of life. And it's a better understanding of how you incorporate herbs into your life. So it's not just taking, you know, Tulsa because I need to lift my spirit, but shifting how I live my life to bring more happiness into my life, more um, fulfillment and maybe more balance. And so it's like what you had said, you know, not waiting until the headache comes, but living life so that the headache doesn't occur. That's really interesting, too, because now you're speaking to not just improving physical health, but it sounds like mental and emotional health and this overall sense of well-being and, and happiness, which I think, again, in this modern day world, a lot of people are struggling with. A lot of people feel anxious. They feel depressed. They feel cooped up or, you know, we're so tied to technology. Maybe we're lacking that human connection. So in Ayurveda, does it speak to um, other practices outside of herbs and nutrition? 
Yes, yes. And you know, and it's funny because Ayurveda was, um, has been around for over 5,000 years. And so technology wasn't created then, but they already had practices in place that would help calm the nervous system. And so when you think about yoga, yoga is a great way to connect to the body and breath, but we also have mantra and mantra is a repeating of, of a word that has a very specific vibration. And that vibration is connected to different organs within the body. And so depending on what you're tr trying to heal, it will help focus that energy in that space. We also have marma points in Ayurveda, which are very similar to acupressure or acupuncture. And so if you're feeling anxious, you could practice a mantra to help that chatter in the mind, or you could practice pressing on a pressure point or a marma point to help reduce that, that feeling of anxiousness, that, that monkey mind or that elevation of energy within the body. That's so interesting because you talked about how this practice is thousands and thousands of years old and, you know, we value technology. We appreciate the cutting edge and then the latest and greatest when it comes to medicine and healing. But I think sometimes we forget to look back and kind of get back in touch with that ancient wisdom or access that. So I think that's really cool that you shared that. And it just kind of opens up the doors to different possibilities. If somebody's maybe struggling with anxiety or a certain health condition that there's maybe more than one route they can take to find that healing. So on that note, would you say that like traditional Western medicine and Ayurvedic practices could be combined or do they have to exist separately? I think they're very much complementary. I think that, you know, if you're going to see a practitioner and they're prescribing a medication or a practice for you, that that helps you get on that right track. But Ayurveda helps you shift your daily schedule. It, it shifts your behaviors. And so then we're getting to the root of the condition. So we're treating the condition through Western medicine, but we're also getting to the root of what caused the condition through the practices that Ayurveda can share. So it sounds like it's really addressing that root cause, but it also sounds like if you're working with a practitioner of Ayurveda, that it's not one size fits all. It sounds like when you go to this person, it's almost like a therapy session because you're sharing maybe multiple aspects of your life, not just the physical ailments. Would you say that's correct? Or what is that interaction like? You are correct. And you know, typically a session could be over an hour just for the practitioner to get to know you. And I like the fact that it's very individualized. Um, I had mentioned um, that I first became intrigued with food as medicine through David Avocado Wolf, raw vegan. And I read his book and I thought, that's what I needed to do. I needed to eat raw and, and I needed to be a vegan. Well, in Ayurveda, I'm considered vata. My constitution is vata. And that means I have a lot of air. I'm very cold all the time. And I was eating this raw, cold food. And it was the opposite of what my body needed. But what we hear, and and I think raw vegan um, diets are, are excellent for some people, but it was not a positive um, practice for me. And so I think that we need to, to look at that when we're, we're working with people. You know, what does that person need? What does that person's body need? And so because I'm cold, a cold diet wasn't ideal for me. And Ayurveda takes all of that into consideration. 
And to be able to consider that, we have to sit and really talk to you to see what you need. So two things, I'm blown away that you would spend an hour with a practitioner because when I go to a doctor's appointment, it's like 10 minutes in and out. You try to say as much as you can, like from your list while you're in there, because you feel like your time is, is limited. So I think that's really incredible. That's an incredible approach. And then second of all, I think it's really cool that you're open to all these possibilities and therapies and treatments, but you don't necessarily believe that you have to prescribe or you know, adhere to a certain regimen if it's not working for you. So I think it's really helpful to hear that because sometimes when you, you know, listen or read about these complementary medicine or, or alternative medicine healers, it seems like they're very almost structured in a way. And they just believe it's kind of like this one protocol that should work best for everybody. But it sounds like you believe there's a little bit of flexibility in that. And then it's just kind of exploring what works best for that individual person. Yes. And, and I think part of that was my exploration, right? I, I would try and, and my background is in mental health. And so I, I studied cognitive behavior therapy and I love neuro-linguistic programming and tapping because that's that's where my background is, but it wasn't enough to heal my body. And so I had to find other modalities. And first it was herbs and herbs started working for a while and I loved that. But Ayurveda kind of pulled it all together for me. And I think that it, it's a practice that allows you to bring in other modalities. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned tapping. What exactly is that? So tapping is a form of, of energy movement. So, you know, when I, when I read David Avocado's Wolf, I was able to give up meat. I was able to give up soda. There was um, no problem with me, like shifting my diet in some areas, but other areas I had more challenges. And so like, I could not give up sugar. So I gave up soda, but I still needed my, my chocolate and my sweets. Right. And, and I realized that when I was young, sugar was used as a reward. And so there's some behaviors that are attached to that. So if I was good, I was, I was able to get the candy. If I behaved, you know, I got dessert. If I ate my dinner, I got dessert, right? So, so it, was, it was ingrained in me that sugar was a reward. But I also realized that late in the evening, I would sit with my family and have a bowl of ice cream. So there was an emotional attachment to that. And now my mom and dad have passed, but I still hold on to that belief. So cognitively, I know I should not be eating this, but emotionally it's in my body and it's really hard for me to give that up. Tapping helps to get to that subconscious. So if I tap on certain points on the body, and so you can't see me on, on the podcast, but I tap on the center of my forehead between my eyebrows, and it's just a light tap. And that tapping starts to shift energy, and it shifts energy along the meridians that are connected to different parts of the body, and energy starts to move. So now I can shift this attachment um, that I may not even be aware of, you know, I don't even, I may not remember why I can't give up sugar. I don't remember why I have trouble spending money, even though I know my parents told me that, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. So all these behaviors, all these attachments that we formed when we were young may still be resting in the subconscious and tapping helps release that. That's super interesting. So while you're tapping, do you consciously try to think of certain thoughts or repeat a mantra or what's going on in your head while you're tapping? So there's different 
practitioners might do it differently. The way I do it is I, I have you bring back that memory or that thought, or even just feel that emotion because then we're allowed to release it. What I usually do is I go through several tapping rounds of, of reminding ourselves of a situation. Maybe we use words that um, remind us, or I have you put yourself in that place so you feel that emotion. And then after we've done that a few times, we might move through some of the ideas that we want to have, some of the thoughts that we want to bring in, and we bring in some positive emotions. That's really cool. So our team has been learning a little bit about the power of positive psychology and affirmations and all those things and how you can integrate those into a routine, like a morning routine, for example. So with tapping, is this something you'd want to practice on a consistent basis? Do you use it in a moment where you're feeling stressed or you feel like you're going to you know, carry out a habit that's not serving you? Like, How do you utilize it on a, in a schedule? So I, I think you should be tapping every day. I think we have energetic bodies and that energetic body also needs to be cared for just like our physical body. And that tapping helps to keep that energy moving. I also believe in epigenetics. And so when we know that positive thoughts affect our health, we also have to understand that negative thoughts affect our health too. Mm -hmm. And we have so many negative thoughts that we experience that we don't even realize that we are saying to ourselves, oh, why didn't I do it this way? I should have done this. How come I didn't, you know, why don't I look as good? Or why don't I, you know, these things that come through and we don't even realize that we're having them. And those negative thoughts are affecting us at a cellular level. So if we're bringing tapping in, we can start to counterbalance that, that negative influence that we might be having on ourselves. Wow, that's really powerful. And it sounds like it's something that's easily accessible to anyone. It doesn't sound like it costs a lot of money or takes a lot of time. It's just using your own body, right? Yes. And once you learn, you learn the practice. Yeah, you can do it. I'll do it when I'm driving, right? And so tapping, the research behind tapping has shown that it will reduce anxiety immediately. And so it reduces the effects of cortisol in the body. So even if you don't believe in tapping, tapping is reducing cortisol and helping your body go into that rest and digest. And so, you know, you're driving in your car and someone cuts you off, um, just tap a little bit. And that's just going to help reduce that cortisol release. And so yeah, it's free, you can do it anytime. And, and it's, it's helpful. That's super cool. I'm going to try that because I tend to run anxious. And so anything that can help me out is, is something I'm going to put in my, my toolkit. So if you wanted to learn a practice like, um, you know, tapping from a certified practitioner or, you know, meet with an Ayurvedic specialist or practitioner, are there any certain like certifications that you should look for? Um, how do you go about finding somebody to work with? So, so it's, it's interesting because I, I thought about this and there are so many resources out there now, so many classes online and anybody can become certified in tapping or EFT. And I think that the best thing to do is to get a personal referral, right? Someone that has talked to them and, and actually meet with them to see if there's a nice, if there's a good connection to see if they resonate with you. And then you can try it out to see how it feels. Um, I think that it's important that the person that you're meeting with is respectful towards you and is listening to what you have to say. 
as far as Ayurveda, um, here in New Mexico, we had one of the world-renowned instructors, Dr. Lod, and I was so fortunate to be here while the Ayurvedic Institute was here. But you should be looking for someone that is considered a practitioner. Um, and the Ayurvedic Institute here in New Mexico is nationally um, associated with, um, I'm sorry, they're, they're associated with the National Ayurvedic Medical Association. And so you want to look for someone that's a practitioner. But that being said, there are so many people that are raised with the practice of Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. And um, they know these practices. I, I love Rosemary Gladstar. She is the godmother of clinical herbalism. But she didn't go to school to learn this. This was raised. I'm sure mm -hmm. she's taking classes, but now she's teaching classes. And so, you know, I think with this, type of um of holistic healing there's so many different resources out there you know asking for referrals talking to them and getting to know who they are is probably the best way that's really helpful thanks for that guidance so is the institute still here in new mexico has it left so we it's exciting for them they just moved to north carolina and it's sad to see them go because they are world-renowned. People come from all over the world to see Dr. Lodge. Um, but he wanted to practice um, in a location where he could farm and grow his own medicinal herbs and have cows that were grazing on, you know, non-GMO grass. And, and so they moved to a location where they can have their own land, their own yoga studio. And so we no longer have the Ayurvedic Institute here. But I have to believe that because they have been here so, for so many years that there are many Ayurvedic um, practitioners here in New Mexico. Very cool. You'll have to take a field trip out to North Carolina to see yes. the new facility. <laughs> it sounds really neat. Yes. So I know that you yourself, you know, practice physical movement. You teach group exercise. You also raise animals. So can you speak a little bit to how just your overall lifestyle kind of fits in with your beliefs and your philosophy? So I moved to New Mexico because I wanted to get away from all that busyness. You know, I lived in California. I was a professional um, worker. I worked as a, a school principal and an administrator. And when I moved out to New Mexico, my plan was to live life as I wanted others to live their life in a healthy way. And so I now have a farm. And so I grow my own medicinal herbs and I have flowers. I have a, a garden. I grow my own vegetables. I grow in a regenerative manner. And so I treat the earth very kindly. There's no pesticides, no herbicides, nothing dangerous for the plants or for us as humans. Um, I also do biodynamics. And so I have animals, but because I'm I'm vegetarian, vegan, I don't eat animals. I have alpacas and I have alpacas. I, <laughs> I have chickens, I have bees, I have worms. And so we have the whole gambit here at my at my house. <laughs> that's so cool. I think that's so fun. And I think a lot of us wish we kind of lived more that way. You know, it's a lot of work. I mean, you're out there all the time. I know weeding and cleaning and organizing and watering and all the things, but it's definitely a passion project. If we wanted to seek out more organic vegetables or herbs, is there a way we could buy those locally? What would you suggest? So I was listening to the earlier podcast and someone had recommended going to the growers market, but that is an excellent way to find local um, 
vegetables and fruits. You do have to ask even at the growers market if they grow organically, but you know that these these vegetables and fruits that are coming to the growers market are grown locally and they're in season. And that's important for the body. We want to eat seasonally. We want to eat from from local farms. Um, you can ask them how they grow, what their practices are. I can't claim that I'm organic because I live in the middle of the city. And so I don't meet the guidelines because of the spaces around me. But I grow as, as closely to organic as I can. And um, I think that there are some markets around that, you know, if you have a co-op or if you have like um, a grocery store that brings in local farm um, grown foods, that those are safe for us to eat, too. Okay, so can we find you at the growers market? You know what? Yes, you can. I'm also in, I live in Corrales. And so I'm also part of First Sunday in Corrales, where we have a lot of our products for sale there, too. Is it and year round? It, it well, it just started, so I'm, I'm thinking okay. it's going to be year round. But my goal is that people come to my farm, come to my home, and enjoy my animals, and just feel a little sense of peace and happiness. Right? I want you to come and feel good. So that's really fun. So yeah. with the alpacas, I feel like they're just an animal, and you see them, and you automatically just smile because they're so goofy looking and silly, and they jump around. So I feel like that's definitely could be part of your mental health protocol. Would you agree? I do agree. You know, my goal was that people would come and spend time with the alpacas and I would harness them. And I live right on the river and I figured we'd take walks, but alpacas don't walk with a harness. And so, <laughs> so you can come sit with them and, and they'll come up and, the, and they'll give you kisses. And, and it's a good thing we're not on film because I might actually have some alpacas spit in my hair too, <laughs> but, but it's all part of, it's all part of the experience here. <laughs> So one of my favorite stories is how you woke up one morning and there was an extra alpaca there. Can you tell that story? So, so, you know, my goal was to have animals and I wasn't sure what those animals would be. And, and I don't know where the idea of alpacas came from, but we, I, my husband found some on eBay, of course. Right. And so we <laughs> went and we, and we purchased three alpacas. It was two, two older, um, adult females and one of the females had a a baby they called a Kriya, a boy and so we brought them home and, and we're all excited and it was probably maybe five six months i walk out and there was another alpaca in the yard <laughs> and so i i was looking for cameras i really thought someone was pranking me and so the 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 female that had the the baby Kriya actually came to us pregnant and and us not knowing and they have such thick fur you can't see that she was carrying a baby and obviously did not need my help at all to deliver this this baby Kriya. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So you still yes. have baby? Yes, we still have baby and baby's actually bigger than than mama now. <laughs> that's so, so cool. Very, very cool. But she's sweet. So the other alpacas came from a herd of 34. And so they're, they're more of a herd animal. But this baby grew up with us holding and hugging her the entire time. So she's much more friendlier. She's, she's cuddly. Yes. <laughs> so another thing, kind of just taking a different path here, is you talk about seeking out um, non-toxic practices. So when I hear non-toxic, my brain automatically goes to cleaning products or, you know, practices in your home. Is that something that you do as well? Yes, it actually was the beginning of my, my focus for my business. So my business is called Living Beautifully Free. 
and it's being free of toxins. And I didn't realize that these products that I was putting on my body, whether it was lipstick or lotion or sunscreen, or even the products that we're cleaning with were full of dangerous chemicals. And these chemicals, they accumulate in our body silently and they cause issues. And so I may have a headache or I might even have a tumor or something happening in my body and I'm not associating it to my cleaning products because I've been using these products for years. And we're finding out now how much toxicity is, is involved with the making of these products and the use of them. And so my goal is to create products that are just as useful, but don't harm us. That's and really originally helpful. I worked with children. So I was, I was an early childhood um, specialist and and I think about our young children and they're actually being born with these toxic chemicals within them because it's being transferred through the mom's placenta. And, and this isn't okay. It's not okay that we've had so much toxicity in our environment that we ourselves are suffering from illnesses, but then our children are being born into this too. We had a gut specialist on who talked about that hygiene hypothesis and how that affects affects people. And it just makes me think about COVID and all this hand sanitizer and Clorox wipes and these really sterile environments. Do you think it's okay to get a little dirt under our fingernails and, and go outside and play? I think, I think it's helpful? vital. Yes. I think it's vital. You need to be out there, which is part, come to my house. I have some weeds that you can pull. I'll teach you <laughs> and you can get some healthy, some healthy immune at the same time. <laughs> you hear that Shane, you can send your kids over to, to pull weeds. <laughs> and develop healthy um, immune systems. So that's really cool. Yeah. So if we're somebody who uses all these traditional products and we aren't necessarily eating organic or we're not incorporating herbs, what are just some tiny, small shifts we could start with today? I think one of the biggest ones is drinking fresh water. Um, the water that comes from our tap, whether you're on well or, or you're buying water, it could have some harmful chemicals in there. And so spring water is one of the best waters and um, that actually is bottled at the spring. And so you want to make sure you have that you're drinking fresh water, eating local vegetables will be um, helpful to bring that immunity back to your body. And then, you know, let's take a look at some of the, and the products that you're using. Some of the most dangerous products um, are deodorant. And I know that's a hard one to give up, mm -hmm. but if you go out to, I mean, even the, if you don't want to make your own, the stores have some wonderful alternatives. Now there's some really safe choices out there. Are there specific stores that you recommend? You know, the co-op, the um, natural grocers, Sprouts, they have natural products available for you to purchase and they're pretty affordable. And it seems like even at more traditional stores like Walmart or Albertsons or Smith's lately, it seems like they are also realizing this is a movement. And there's even a small section there where you can find more of those natural type products too. That's true. Yes. So I, I get excited when I see stuff like that because I'm like, okay, the, a shift is happening. And I know yeah. a lot of those products can be quite pricey, but you mentioned you could make your own. So it sounds like in some cases there's ways you could be a little bit more budget friendly? You can. And I think that like essential oils can be used for so many different things because they're antimicrobial, antibacterial, and you can use them in many different ways. But when you think about, you may have to pay a little bit more for a product, but what is your health worth, right? And what are you saving in the long run when you're not sick or your children are not sick? That's a good perspective. And 
for someone like you who grows her own vegetables and herbs, that's a big savings too. So just off the cuff, what are like the top three easiest herbs or vegetables that can be grown here in New Mexico? Ooh, so lettuce grows pretty well here. Um, arugula grows and, and it just keeps coming up. I don't have to replant it. It just keeps coming up. Um, and this isn't an herb, but chili peppers are really good for your body. They actually add heat, so they help with digestion. Um, I grow stinging nettles. Um, we also have um, fennel. So fennel has these tiny little seeds. It's a beautiful um, plant that comes up and the butterflies love it. So it's a great pollinator. And then a seed will come up and those seeds are excellent for helping the body digest. So they help with weight loss and they help with you digesting your food, which helps your body assimilate the, the nutrients that you're eating. And so those, those grow wild out in my yard. I don't have to do anything and they grow. Cool. Well, you mentioned chili peppers, so I think you've earned your New Mexico resident status. <laughs> so you're official now. So just, you know, in this conversation with you, I think it's just important kind of to remember there's just all these different paths out there. Just it brings me to one more question. A lot of times when we talk about Ayurveda or um, tapping, we, we say it's alternative or complementary medicine. What does that mean? And what's the difference between those two terms? So these are, I think these are terms that we created, but you know, Ayurveda has been around for 5,000 years. So really it was one of the medicines and practices that um, we all use to create health. And it's only since the, the um, allopathic medicine came in that we tried, that we pushed, we, we gave it a new name. We gave it a new name. I um, mean, other countries, Ayurvedic is just as popular as other choices of, of healing modalities. And so I think we use it as alternative because it was um, an alternative choice to allopathic medicine. But I, I like the idea of using the word complementary because I think they work good together. They complement oh, each okay. other. Okay, I like that. So you prefer the term complementary because it's not necessarily you know taking one path or the other. They complement each other. Yes. Okay, that's a helpful way to understand it. So I think that that'd be helpful for listeners too. So with that, I think that I want to hear more about resources from you. I know you shared your inspiration in the beginning, your, your biggest inspiration around wellness, but are there any other resources, books, articles, podcasts out there that you rely on for information? So there is a, a website and it's a company called Banyan Botanical. And this company, they were the, um, the chemists, the people, the pharmacy for the Ayurvedic Institute. So these were the individuals that would create the herbal remedies. And they went out on their own to create their own company, Banyan Botanical. And you can go on their website and they have free resources for you. So you can go on and you can do a dosha or a constitution quiz. So you can, you know, fill in the information to see what your con your personal constitution is. And they'll give you all types of resources to help support you individually. And they have a lot of herbs and different remedies that you can purchase. And they're always grown safely, organically, and ethically. So they're a good company that you can feel good about um, purchasing from. Very cool. I also know that not too long ago, you came out with a book. Could you tell us about that a little bit? 
So in the beginning, my my focus was being um, toxic free. And so I created a book and it's it's called feeling groovy, because I think you can feel pretty groovy if you let go of some toxins in your body. And so I did write a book called feeling groovy. I'm currently working on a book that helps parents create a safe environment for their children. And so it's the feeling groovy or helping your children feel groovy. And so I bring in my background in, in early childhood, and I actually bring in a little bit more of the mental health pieces, because I think of us as adults, we're trying to fix ourselves, right? And it always goes back to what we did as a child. And I thought, well, what if we worked back then, right? What if we went back and we actually helped our children be healthy so they wouldn't have health concerns when they were older? So that's, that's my focus now. That. That's a really cool idea. And I think it's it's much needed and parents would be thrilled to get their hands on that. You know, being a child of the 80s is all about mac and cheese and, uh, you know, all those processed foods. But at the same time, I know my parents tried to bring in balance and make sure we had our vegetables and we played outside and got fresh air and movement and things like that, too. So I think it's nice that parents these days um, seem a little bit more open to, you know, maybe going back to those more ancient traditions of of raising kids. So I'm excited to, to see what you have come out. When is that book due? Oh, that's a big question. I'm not sure. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> you know, and, and I love, I'm always learning, right? I'm just always going out, finding something new. And as I learn, I try to incorporate it into the book. So the book just keeps growing as I learn, right? Because I just think, well, how could I incorporate this you know, in my child's life, you know, what could I do to help my child, you know, not have to go through some of the the pain or suffering that I've gone through. I think that's one of the things I admire most about you is just your willingness to learn and your appetite for discovery. So I think that's a lesson that our audience can take away is just listening to you talk and all the different paths you've pursued and just kind of open your eyes up to the possibilities. So thank you so much for your time, Denise. I see You're one welcome. of your critters visiting you right now. Is that kitty cat? Kitty, kitty came up to join me. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So thank you for having this conversation with us and look forward to connecting soon. Well, thank you. Thank you. I so appreciate being invited to be a part of this wonderful group. Denise is one of those people that you learn more from every single time you talk with her. The message I heard today is that there are options out there to access our best well-being. There's ancient wisdom and methods that maybe we're not fully exploring or even exposed to in a more westernized, modernized medicine model. And it's hopeful to learn or remember that there's multiple possibilities for healing and optimal health. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, we are planning an upcoming Q&A episode. If you have any well-being questions for us, please send to wellness at phs.org. Also, if you're interested in learning more about the Solutions Group, please visit us at www.solutionsbiz.com. See you next time.